Hey, sister. Thanks so much for tuning back into the Your Sorority Journey podcast today. After a pretty inconsistent month of publishing episodes, we are really excited to be turning the corner and having intentional conversations around leadership, especially as this is an election season and officer transitions is closely following it. We wanted to really come alongside you if you are ending your officer term or preparing for that which is to come. Today, we are talking about the concept of leaving a legacy. I know for many of us, when we take on a leadership position or consider even applying to run for a leadership position, we do so in an effort to make an impact, to leave a certain sphere of our chapter or community better than where we found it or build upon success or accomplishments of the previous leader. In a year with such unprecedented uncertainty and unmet expectations, and possibly a year that holds still a lot of uncertainty, it is hard to know what is an accomplishment. It's hard to know what kind of impact or what kind of legacy we're able to lead. I'm sure if you are ending your term now, you might be asking yourself, did I make a difference? Or if you're even considering running for a position, you might be asking yourself, could I even make a difference? What kind of difference can I make in these uncertain times? I am so excited that we were able to have my sister friend, Taylor Sebastian, on the podcast today to talk about her leadership journey, not only starting under COVID times, but even before that, what motivated her to jump into leadership and how she has navigated so much disappointment for the better, how she was able to still maintain her reach and impact despite all obstacles. I really believe that her story, especially that of a triumph this past weekend in the conference that she hosted, will be an inspiration to you and help you reframe the accomplishments that you might have had this year that may not have been as obvious as they may seem or those that you could accomplish if you're even considering being a leader in your chapter or community next year. Before we jump into my conversation with Taylor, I wanted to let you know about a company that was started by sorority women for sorority women that is really ideal for new leaders who are wanting to streamline communication and make big changes in their chapter this upcoming year. My chapter room serves as a central hub for relationship, communication, and chapter community management for leaders and their teams. My chapter room allows leaders to focus on creating an empowering member experience for the whole chapter. You will increase member engagement with a unique customized suite of tools that deliver all the functionality that you want in one place. With a central calendar to get all of your members on the same page, you can manage excuses, attendance, and even an incentive program and communicate with your members in whatever form works best for your chapter. Make sure to check out my chapter room in our show notes and fill out the interest form with the code CASSIE20 for 20% off the startup fee. Now here's my conversation with Taylor. Taylor, I'm so excited to have you on the Your Sorority Journey podcast today. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I am so excited. This is my first podcast, so part of me is a little nervous, but more excited. It's okay. I think I get a little nervous before I record every episode. (laughs) 
And as I shared with you, I haven't actually recorded one with a sister in several weeks. So it feels really good to be back. And after everything you accomplished this weekend, it feels <laughs> so much more like intentional and sentimental to like do this with you. Before we talk about like you and your journey, I just want to hear your like top takeaways from hosting Arizona State's Power Conference. And for the people that maybe don't know what that is, just sharing what that is and how you feel having accomplished that this past weekend. Yeah, so Arizona State University's Panhellenic puts on a women's empowerment conference. We have since 2014, and since then you've seen a lot of changes throughout the years. Um, the past two years, we kind of changed the top the conference title from Pow Her to specific titles. So last year, my predecessor, Tylee Debien, she did Unapologetically Female. And then this year, I was able to make the title Together We Grow, which ended up being more perfect as the year <laughs> kind of went on. Um, but yeah, so that's just a, virt it's a in-person women's conference that Panhellenic has put on. And since then, we have grown to expanding past Panhellenic. I was so honored to like be there and be a part of it after like being a student. Like I didn't plan it like you did, but having been on the Panhellenic Council and seeing like the effort that goes into it, being a speaker on the other side, like I know how much you did to prepare for us and prepare for your attendees. And I just want to know how it feels to like, one, have run the first virtual version of the Power Women's Conference. And then two, like what your biggest takeaways were from it. Yeah. So when we first kind of heard that the event will no longer be in person, I was a little heartbroken because I thought, well, there goes my event. Um, the idea of making it virtual never crossed my mind. No and way. Then, wow. Yeah. Um, it took me about a month or two after hearing that news. And I thought, you know what? We're going we're gonna to do it virtual because the feedback we had been getting is that virtual events just aren't as successful, which is sad but true. Getting a high attendance at virtual events can be difficult. Um, and so in my head, I had the thought process of there's only going to be 30 people that attend, but I'm going to make it the best experience for the 30 people that do attend. Um, and knowing what kind of budget I had and the ability of how I could make that benefit other communities, that was kind of why how her was so, there was so much to it. It was because I didn't think there was going to be a high attendance. So I wanted to make sure that those people felt like it was tailored to them. Um, mm. And knowing that there was so, so much going on in this year, and I think everyone can relate, it just felt like jabs from every corner. Um, I made sure that everything about Pow Her either benefited someone or it was about emotions, uh, whether that was our philanthropies, our scholarships, or every speaker, even the speakers who talked about entrepreneurship. It was find an emotional appeal and understand that not everyone could be in the best headspace right now. Um, mm. And that's kind of, that was so important to me for this event. And knowing that I was 40 away from the in-person size of attendance for past events was just at first I was defeated not having too many people, but I'm still so, so shocked on what I was able to accomplish first, what my initial thoughts of what this was going to be like. Um, so I'm just, I, I still cannot believe what I was able to do. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. And having worked with you, gosh, I mean, we started talking about power, I think in January, right? As soon as you were elected into your position. And obviously, 
along with the world, seeing everything evolve, not just the sorority space, but obviously like we've created sororities for this in-person experience. Like it took a big hit to what we thought things were going to look like. And watching you navigate all of that all the way up until the event and hearing your vulnerability with all of your guests was just so powerful. And I just am so glad that we had already been talking about having you on the podcast and we get to kind of like celebrate this accomplishment and the impact that you were able to have on so many. Actually at my last power as a collegian, so 2017, I heard one of the speakers say that when a artist, when some big pop star comes to town and they sell out a arena, whatever that is, if it's Wells Fargo or the gamage, whatever. And they don't think about all of the people who didn't come to their show. They don't think about all the people that didn't come to their concert. They perform for the people who showed up to the venue, who showed up and bought a ticket for them. And I think that's such an important thing for us to remember as leaders is we need to serve the people who are showing up for what we have to offer them. Because the more time we spend thinking about the people who didn't come, didn't care, it wasn't a priority for them. We miss out on actually serving the people who know they need it and are here because they need it. So I just want to encourage you with that and that mindset that you have because it did feel tailored to what the women needed. And I'm sure they felt so like heard and seen by the effort that you made. So way to go. Well, thank you. And how I see it is with virtual, especially, it's that um, especially in our sisterhood events, what would have been maybe 150 people in my own chapter is now maybe four people and just kind of awkwardly sitting there. And I always have thought that sisterhood is more of a feeling than an event. Um, and so the people who do show up, they probably need it. You don't know what's going on in their life and they're looking for that little relief. Um, and so I kept that in mind and exactly what you said, it just I'm glad I was able to tailor to the people who were there because I, I know that they probably needed it as much as I had needed Pow Her in the past. Mm. I love that. And I know that the director of women's leadership for Panhellenic is only one of your leadership positions. So I want to jump back to your sorority journey holistically and hear about what being a member of Sigma Kappa, what holding these different leadership positions has meant to you. So however you want to tell us your sorority journey, I would love to hear it. Yeah. So I will start from the beginning. I graduated high school. I was extremely involved in high school, high honors, um, but I do come from a single parent household. Um, so the likelihood of me going to university was just not, not in the cards for me. Um, although I got a scholarship, it was still very expensive and I didn't have the heart to ask my mom to help me financially with those means and I didn't I wasn't too comfortable with loans so I went to community college first um, and then after two years in community college I transferred over I always knew I wanted to be part of a sorority um, at a very young age I found my mom's Sigma Kappa badge and I had learned about everything sorority um, and my mom was really good at making sure there was no bias she talked about her friends in different chapters and what they accomplished and that I really appreciated so I went into recruitment with the thought process of I'm going to go wherever I feel home. 
my part of me was saying, I don't want to go Sigma Kappa. That's my mom's chapter. I want to switch it up. Um, unique. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And then I walked in and I sat down with Erin and Erin probably doesn't know the impact she had, but it was just immediate connection. And it was just, I felt like everything that I was going through in my life, it was just this immediate, just relief and felt like someone was there for me. Um, And then when I started with the sorority, I was very distant. I think I attended very few meetings before being initiated, and I tried a lot to stay distant. Um, During the time, I was going through a very abusive relationship, and I felt very controlled in every aspect of my life, and so I thought that distancing myself was better for everyone around me. Um, And then I was surrounded by women, and it was our graduation kind of getting ready to see the seniors that were graduating and having our like senior wills and seeing these women go off and do amazing things. The fact that they were going to work at Disney, they were going to law school, they were going to medical school. And my mind was baffled at the fact that these women are doing this and they're one, two years older than me. Um, And it just kind of taught me what I had lost, but how I could make it up. Um, Mm. And so I got really close to a sister named Alana, who um, I worked with at a sports facility and just kind of seeing how she would say, um, if I asked her, what are your next steps? She would be like, I don't know, but I know I'm going. And just stuff like that was just the little things I really needed for someone to indirectly influence me to be who I am today. Um, And I kept hearing that you get what you put into it, you get out of it what you put into it. Um, And so... I thought, all right, I'm going to start with a chair position. That should be relatively easy. Um, I was the Sigma Kappa Nationals introduced a diversity and inclusion chair position. And so I was the first person to take that on that position with Sigma Kappa Theta Omicron. Um, and it was, it was definitely challenging because it was a completely new position. No one really knew what to do with it. Um, but I kept getting compliments that I was doing the right thing. And that's kind of all you needed was that you're in the right direction. Even if you feel like you have no idea what's going on, it was, okay, I must be on the right path because people are complimenting me. Um, Like Alana said, like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's what everyone can relate to in college is you can plan out as much as you want, but it does not mean that's where that's going. Um, But with that position, I was recommended for a panhellenic position and I thought, well, I didn't do too well making friends in my own sorority because I spent so long distancing myself from everyone and I got kind of nervous and I thought, well, I don't know. I I don't know if I'll fit in. And I was just tearing myself up about it. I was like, I dress like a mom with banana republic. So I'm not like fashionable, like a college student. I, I don't know too many chapters. There's sometimes some Greek letters I stumble upon. Like I could not be panhellenic. Um, and I went and one of my position, which was director of women's leadership and diversity had four different people going for it. And, um, I thought there is no way there's no way. Um, I know there's just no way. So I went to the, um, the election space when they were talking about who was appointed and I thought absolutely no shot. And that is also comes in part with something you get when you run for diversity positions is a lot of people kind of look for someone who's physically more cultural. So though, although I'm a Latina woman who may have fainter skin, I did not think I fit the role. 
Um, and then Maddie Bergstrom, who was the Panhellenic president at the time, who was also from Sigma Kappa. Also um, on said, this podcast. <laughs> also has been on the podcast. Um, she just looked me dead in the eye and said, and we are appointing Taylor Sebastian for the director. And I just like, I was frozen and I didn't want to smile, but I did want to like, I wanted to just like start screaming. And I was just like, oh my. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, Aww. this is a lot of responsibility now. Like I need to really kick it in gear. Um, and so with that, I, I took my chapter position more seriously. I took my panelonic position more seriously and I took my grades more seriously. I wanted to be the best influence I could be to anyone who met me. Um, and so that's kind of where those positions had led. And then after doing as much as I could, because it took two months into my position before everything just went virtual. Um, and so I thought what once was a women's leadership dinner, it was important to me to do something for the women who lost out on graduation. It's a significant part in your life to accomplish something like that. Yeah. So with that, I, I came in too hot, if we're being honest. I thought I would take on the task of writing a card to every graduating Panhellenic and Greek senior female. Um, and Wow. Yeah, I thought, you know what, this will be so great. I got specialized stickers that say like, congrats, you did it. I got random stickers and I thought just a little gift to kind of lighten up the mood. And then I had over 400 cards to write. And, um, and that, that was the first time I realized like, okay, this is a lot of work. But I know that just me writing a simple message in a card and someone reading it you don't know what that person's going through and you don't know, maybe that day was a really rough day and seeing that card will just be like, dang, there are people in Panhellenic who really cared about me, who really understand that I, I lost out on a big part of my accomplishments, what I had worked so hard for. Um, and so with that, that was the first time I really showed that I was taking on probably bigger tasks, but to me it was important. Um, if, even if it required a lot of work, it was, it did something. Um, and so because of that, I was actually recognized for an order of Omega position for VP of business development. That one I went in blind. I had no idea what was expected <laughs> of me. I, I did not know um, what to do, but I knew that because of what I had done in the past, even if I had stumbled, even if I had fallen, I knew I'm really good at getting back up and I'm really good at going somewhere, even if I have no idea where it is that I'm going. Um, yeah. So that's how I kind of came about to those three positions. And I still am trying to um, fix the time that I had lost by distancing myself from everyone. And it's just, it's not impossible to change kind of reroute where you think you're going in your sorority and really puts, put time into it. And you will, you'll finally see what other people say when they say this is the best experiences of their life, you really get to recognize that when you submerge yourself in this life. So yeah. Wow. I never would have known that you had distanced yourself or even not had a four-year experience in Sigma Kappa by the way you're ending it, right? When you say, you know, that's when I realized I was like coming in hot when I like <laughs> signed up to write a card to every graduating senior. I think the level of intentionality and self-awareness is something that I think even people who were in their sorority for four years or 
people who had held some kind of leadership position or had been engaged with sisters throughout their experience need to reflect on, right? That level of self-awareness that you have is so deep and really inspirational because I think sometimes we push away from wanting to understand ourselves and our needs so much because it's kind of scary when we realize either what we missed or like we don't like to live in that, you know, but you are the poster child of realizing it and doing something about it. And so thank you for sharing that. I, I know sometimes it's hard to talk about those things, but even just from hearing you share at Power this weekend, I know that you are not afraid of vulnerability and being truly authentic with women. So I'm glad that we get to share that with her sorority journey as well. Yeah. And kind of to, for anyone who wasn't, didn't get to listen to Powher. So I um, found myself in 2016, I was in a very serious car accident that I had lost a significant amount of my memory. Um, and it's very normal for people who have significant memory loss to latch on to the things that they do remember. And in my very unfortunate case, I latched on to someone who is physically, mentally, sexually abusive in every way of the sort. And I boxed myself off in every way. I made sure that everyone thought everything was okay. Even if behind closed doors, I would avoid going places because bruises were visible because I didn't want people to think that that other person was a bad person. I didn't want, but, and I felt so weak. And for the longest time, I wouldn't recognize what happened to me. Even getting out of the relationship, I would never ever I would just avoid the name. I would avoid the situation. I would avoid thinking about it. And that is honestly where my problem was. It maybe took, it takes five minutes of courage to talk about what happened because there's, there are a thousand of other little Taylor Sebastians that are just learning in the wrong ways of what relationships are and learning how abusive and cruel the world can be. So me just talking about and being comfortable and open with what my experiences were and how, how it gets better, how you change, how that is not your story. Um, it just, it's vulnerable. Yes. But it's also me knowing that it just takes, it could take the most simple someone looking at you and saying, just set yourself free. Cause you spend so much time negatively thinking about yourself. Like, mm. Oh, I wish I looked like this. Oh, I, if I were this way, this person would really love me if I was this way. And it just takes a simple message from someone to say, just take care of yourself. And that's, it's just so easy, but it's so easily missed as well. Um, yeah. So that's that vulnerability that Cassie was talking about that I was able to discuss. Well, and I think, I don't know about you, but I am such an external processor. And when I have gone through like tough seasons of my life, there's like things that I like know to be true, but don't like believe to be true. Like in my head, like I know in your case, maybe you're like, I know this like isn't an ideal relationship, but my heart like can't let it go. Or I know that the way I'm dealing with things isn't the healthiest way to go about it, but this is like the only way I know how to do it, like is what my heart's saying. And I think sometimes going through the process of externally saying it, like externally processing it, if that's with loved ones or even with yourself or like journaling it so you can see it or sharing it with your conference of women as you did on Sunday helps us reiterate the truth of it so we can believe it, even though we know it to be true. We like then get to believe that it's true. And I don't know if that's kind of what you're talking about when you say 
the more we talk about it, the more we take those five seconds, those five minutes of courage to like step up and like live into what we know that truth to be, it like becomes more, we know we can rely on that more. Exactly. That's exactly it. And um, I think if people were to view my Instagram or view my Facebook or view who I am at events, they would never in a billion years guess that I let that happen. Because I do, I come off as a very strong, independent woman who does not mess around. I tell the truth when it is necessary to tell the truth. And so being able to tell that I thought was significant, but I wouldn't have been able to be at that point if I didn't surround myself with women who showed me what life could be, showed mm. me how I could grow. And that was, and I'm forever thankful for my sorority experience just for that purpose. Even if I were to not get involved, even if I were to have stayed distance, I, which I can't imagine I would have just by seeing what these women accomplished, um, I am very thankful for just that. And indirectly, none of those women know what they did, but even going through just seeing alumni and where they're off to, it's just, I'm so thankful that I had the influence from those women. Absolutely. I think your point about if someone viewed your Instagram or any of your social medias that they wouldn't understand the depth to you. I think that's how I looked at leaders when I was a new member or an emerging leader um, in Sigma in the same chapter <laughs> that you're a member of. I always love talking to Theta Omicrons. I definitely looked up to these people and put them on a pedestal because of their accomplishments, because of their eloquence, because of the influence that they had over the women in my chapter. And I think it was really important to me when I was chapter president to, in the ways that I was comfortable, break down some of those walls, some of the, that pedestal, some of that, like, this is like where I'm at. And this is like, what's important to me because it felt safer to be on that pedestal or to be like, yep, this is the influence I have. Yep. This is the leadership that I give to the chapter. They don't need to know about the baggage that I'm carrying or the battles that I'm facing that make leading so much harder or make leading so much more meaningful to me. And so I'm sure women who follow you on Instagram or have connected with you prior, like thought super highly of you without knowing the story, without knowing these moments of seeing these women at senior wills and being like, I need to be like them. I need to accomplish something before I'm in their shoes, you know? And so I think for leaders that are listening or for aspiring leaders that are listening, it's super important to know that you don't have to always be the social media version of yourself that you put out there. And if that's what you feel comfortable putting on social media, like don't change that, but don't feel like you have to mask the real, the realness of your story to meet what people think they need in a leader. Exactly. Yeah, those expectations. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what got in my head when I was going through panhellenic interviews. I thought, you know, I don't really look like the girls who are really like panhellenic and they like are good representations. I kept beating myself down because I kept looking at social media. And I even know when I was going through recruitment, I looked through social media and like wanted to be what I saw, but I it took me a little bit, maybe up to round 3 until I got to know people and have longer conversations where I got to think, "Oh, this isn't this isn't just social media. There's more to this. There's people sharing their experiences that they went through with other women. And it's just, it's so easy to get caught up in what you think versus what is. Um, mm. 
Yeah, I think especially in sorority recruitment, especially in Panhellenic elections where we have these, I don't even know how to describe it, like these preconceived notions of who these people are, if it's how we viewed a chapter on Instagram or if it's how we've seen a woman lead in that role or we look at the women that we're running against and it's so easy for us to immediately think, oh, she's more qualified for me than me for these reasons or she looks the part more than I do instead of really like owning the value that each of us bring to this opportunity or that each of us would bring to this chapter if we're talking from a recruitment setting. It's so much easier to look at the women as competition rather than like sisters. And I think that's something I'm super passionate about in this election season that we're going into for most sorority executive councils or Panhellenic executive boards to not fall into this trap of like comparison, but really looking at it as a sisterhood and who, and the chapter or council will always make the right decision of who is intended to be that leader or be that um, guiding force in that position for the upcoming year. Exactly. And honestly, if you are thinking about it, if you have the slightest little idea of, oh, if I were in this position, I, I might have this idea, just go for it. Just go for it. Be yourself. And if it's meant to be, it will be. But if it's not, it means that something better is on the way. And I think that that is what beats down so many women when it comes to elections, when it comes to running for any leadership position. It's so easy to have that female competition and comparison that you're talking about. And then also just giving, just not giving up, but just not going, going for it because you allow that to get into your head. So obviously when you were elected into your various leadership positions, this was not the circumstances that you were walking into, right? When you were elected to be the director of women's leadership or the director of diversity and inclusion for Sigma Kappa this year, you weren't like, I think this is a great thing to do amidst a pandemic. Like, let's <laughs> sign me up, right? There's so much like unnavigated terrain that has come, I think from month to month through officers terms this year. How has the pandemic required you to grow as a leader? And like, what are some things you have learned from being a leader this year? Yeah. So what I have learned is there's a few things. It's one, be creative. Try your best to think of, think out of the box. Think this is ridiculous, but we're going to try it. Um, And then also see each woman, not as your not as your audience, not as your attendants, but see them as a woman. See them as they have hardships. They, they're going through stuff just as much as I am. I just, when I am planning an event, I think 2020 kind of beat me up, but it doesn't have to continue beat me, beating me up. And so seeing, the, your, seeing your group, your organization, your attendance, anything, see them as each individual person and recognize that they have emotions. And so that's kind of where the main thing is, and that is inclusion. I have learned throughout my leadership during this pandemic is just inclusion. Make sure that you are making sure every person feels like they are included in what your message is and what you're doing. Um, And that can go through directly influencing or even just saying, how are you today? Starting a meeting with other than hello, say, how many of you guys want to just take a moment to take this weekend? How many of you guys are are okay and it's okay to not be okay um so that's kind of the two big things is just be creative and be inclusive recognize that everyone goes through stuff but that doesn't mean they're alone Mm, 
Yeah, I think the pandemic has really required leaders to grow in new ways, but not ways that maybe we didn't need to grow already. You know, like I think about our sorority community and how we had gotten so comfortable with this kind of clunky in-person version of recruitment, right? Every sorority community in the country is putting on these like huge shows, like these bridal showers and small weddings, right? To like help women find their home in a Panhellenic community when really like we can cut so much of those costs and so much of those frills down because we had to this year by doing it virtually. And there's like this framework that we've been given for how we can do that in the future in the same way that like as leaders, we should always be creative. As leaders, we should always like have our sights brought into like what kind of influence or impact we can make, even if it's not the way it was done by the leader before you. And I think the ways that you've been required to grow are going to be so beneficial for the leaders who are watching your example, even once the world regains like our new sense of normalcy and the opportunity to do the, the things the way we had always done them is presented. You have now like left an example of what it looks like to not do things the way they've always been done. You know, like that, that legacy of leadership that I think we're looking for. It's like, how do I like make my mark has really been a unique one this year in that every woman has had to be creative and like leave her influence in a way that's never been done before. Yeah. And you bring up an amazing point when you say to not be directly influenced by the person, the leader before you, because the point of leadership is to grow with every year and everything that is going on in that year. And you have to be your own independent leader. So take what your the leader before you did, like good ideas, be sure to take them, but don't feel like you need to compare to them. Don't feel like you need to be better than them. Do it in your own way and make sure you're comfortable in how you're doing it because you were elected into that position. You were appointed into that position. You were voted into that position because people are confident in you. Mm, yeah. Well, and to your point, like we don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? It doesn't mean we need to like start over from scratch and like abandon all the hard work they've put on, put into it. But how do you build on that? How do you establish like new layers to the work that they have done? You know, because if we continue doing the same thing year after year, it's not going to grow. We aren't going to engage more members. We're not going to widen our impact, you know? So I love the way you said that because I think it is so important for leaders to remember that they were elected. They they were elected or appointed because someone saw them best fit or most equipped to carry out this role. And I think so often we see leaders that just like find themselves in these situations and they're like, well, I'm just going to do it the way it's always been done. Um, so I love that point because if we're able to build up the confidence that leaders see in themselves or the, uh, the confidence that leaders have in themselves, it's going to be such a more powerful leadership team and chapter experience. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. I want to know because of all the creativity that you've had to establish, I'd love to know like what you feel most proud to have accomplished when you're looking back on your leadership journey. Um, either through this year, I know that you're like going home tomorrow and you graduate very soon. So as you look back at your sorority journey holistically, what do you feel like the most proud to have accomplished? 
Um, Pow Her was a really big accomplishment for me. Um, I had lost 90% of my committee. I, a lot of council members weren't able to be as actively involved as they were pre-pandemic. Um, so that overall was an amazing accomplishment. But in that, the biggest accomplishment is the philanthropies that I did through Powher. Um, so, which all of those aren't even in the program. Being able to organize the Girl Scout event, which I had over a hundred seven to nine year olds on a virtual Zoom meeting. Oh um, my from, goodness! Yeah, for a free badge earning event, and I the emails I received after of our daughter was so excited to be able to see other people, and they really were because that age group just kind of talks to each other, and you just have to sit there and. Be sure to be a good example because you yeah. don't want to be like, oh, be quiet. Like you have to just smile and be like, this is a representation of my school. This is a representation of a women leader, a woman's in leadership. Um, and then the ones that were kind of done behind closed doors is we also donated. Um, I say we because Powher is a, it represents the Panhellenic Society. It represents all Greek organizations. It represents the university. Um, even if it was just me that you were talking to and I kept saying we, it just is important to me to recognize everyone who was involved, yeah. even if they didn't necessarily help. Um, but we were able to donate a hundred books to a hundred kids in Title I schools throughout the state of Arizona. We donated 64 Bath and Body Works products that were full size to preteens for their birthday um, in foster care. It was a really big request for luxurious scents so that they can identify with a scent. And naturally, my head was like, oh, I don't know if I can afford like some Gucci perfume, but hearing these kids say, we want Bath and Body Works, and they kind of like listed out scents, and that knowing that impact was amazing. And having the individuals who worked with that organization and seeing AZ Helping Hands was the organization and seeing how throughout the process of power there were laid people were laid off and they still wanted to keep a connection with me because they were excited about what we were doing. Um, and so those are my biggest takeaways because although power in itself was public and everything was out there, the things done kind of behind closed doors with our philanthropic values and initiatives, that's what I'm going to take away because that's what means the most to me. Um, but leaving, leaving ASU and leaving my positions, I am so excited to see what the next person who takes my positions does and how they change it. I hope that they see what I did and they're like, that's great. I have better ideas and flip it. And I'm so excited mm -hmm. to see if they continue the philanthropy or if they do scholarships or if they do something I'd never even thought of. Yeah. Um, so I think I look most forward to that, but my biggest accomplishment was what I, what I went through behind closed doors and still prevailed. Mm. Well, I think what you brought up about what either individuals or sorority communities collectively do behind closed doors mattering, right? One of my really good friends works for Kappa Alpha Theta's philanthropy CASA. She works for the nonprofit CASA in Fort Worth, Texas. And she shared with me, like, we can't afford to just stop doing what we've always done as sorority communities because we can't forget the impact that we have. Like that, th those populations, those audiences, those people that we served under normal circumstances are still in need. And so it's still a responsibility, regardless of how circumstances change, to serve them and fulfill our commitment to them 
even if it's not what the media picks up on, even if it's not what gets the most like press and attention in our sorority communities, you know? And I think the same goes for leaders, right? Like these battles and hardships we face might not be the things that we're remembered for, but are things that we have to go through to provide those experiences, to provide that legacy that the next leader is going to see and build on as she takes that position and runs with it, you know? And so I love your mindset of excitement toward what this next woman will do in your role because you have truly left a legacy. You've truly left a new side to power. We definitely didn't do like a scholarship or philanthropies when we were planning the conference when I was in college and even just seeing those leaps and strides that have been done to look outside of ourselves is just so important and so powerful. Well, thank you. I, yeah, there was a lot of this year. Powher was just very different and I was very nervous adding those actually adding saying, I don't want to just add a philanthropy. I want to add four. I don't just want to add a scholarship. I want to make sure that they get a scholarship that can help with anything. Consider it a crisis scholarship because everyone was introduced to new things and um, even expanding. I was like, I don't know if they'll respond to my emails, but I'm going to send them anyway. Yeah. Um, because you're right. You don't know what's going on with closed doors. And with my position with Sigma Kappa, like I had mentioned, I was the first person to take it on in the history of Sigma Kappa at Arizona State University. And there was a lot of uncertainty of what to do. Even nationals was like, well, we're still building some stuff on what to do. So I did what I thought would best suit the position. And now that Sigma Kappa has these amazing initiatives that they've started coming out with for my position, it makes me excited to see what the next person does. And a lot of people wouldn't know that I had to, the challenge of having no idea going in blind. Yeah. But I hope that I was able to portray that I was able to do it as if I did have an idea. Um, and that's kind of what a leader is, is they, even when chaos is everywhere, it is mm. saying, yes, there's chaos, but let's, let's try our best to control it. And let's, let's keep going. And I, and even though there's been unprecedented uncertainty this year, right? Like the unimaginable has happened. I think that there's an element of that every year, right? There's things that get thrown at us at, as leaders that might not be a global crisis, but there's still problems that we didn't expect and things that we have to face that we weren't anticipating. And so knowing that, regardless of what happens in 2021, what advice would you have for a woman who is hesitant to take a leadership position this upcoming term because of the uncertainty? In your life, you will see a ton of uncertainty. There's no way. You won't know what happens tomorrow. You don't know. There's no, no, no way of knowing your next steps. And I'm pretty sure every woman has understood that up until this point in their life, whether it is changing their major, whether, whether it is going to a new school and not really knowing the environment, whether it is a college experience where maybe high school was easy for you, so you didn't have to study as hard as you do in college. And there's, the world is uncertain. But it's important that leaders, it doesn't matter if you have full control over what's going on. It doesn't matter if you have a plan for everything. It just matters that you are able to stand in front of a group of women and be and stand with them and say, 
let's keep going, let's do it together, let's collaborate and see how all of us can work together. Your job is to be the moderator in the chaos and get everyone's opinions, get everyone's feelings and say, well, I don't really, I wasn't prepared for this, but let's, let's give it a shot, let's keep going. And that's why I believe, strongly believe if you are even considering a position, just go for it. You, there is no way you will be able to plan out everything. And there's, it's tough to be this amazing, like perfect leader because that doesn't exist. It is you being you. That is what perfect is, is just giving it your best. I love that being the moderator in the chaos. I, I think that is such a great description of leadership, right? Because it's not always your responsibility to have the strongest opinion or the right opinion. It's about letting the women's opinions in your chapter be heard, letting the way they feel, letting their experiences be real and important and finding a way, finding some common ground to support them in their chapter or their community through that. And I think hopefully for a woman listening who's considering leadership can hear that and just have some pressure relief that they don't have to have all the answers about how to be the best vice president of finance during a pandemic, you know, or how to be, how to plan the next best power. You know, I think it's really important that women know they're allowed to learn as they go. They're allowed to grow through this and not have all the answers, but be a moderator in the chaos to really help survey their members to help them feel heard and make decisions as a result of that. (laughs) That was me coming from a conference with different moderators. So that vocabulary term is like in my head. It's just like imprinted. Yeah. (laughs) I am super thankful we were able to have you on the podcast, especially after an event that I felt super privileged to be a part of. So thank you again for having me and thank you for your vulnerability and sharing your story today. Well, thank you again for having me. I, that was much, I don't know why I was nervous. Now I, I, now that it uh, has happened, I don't know why I was so nervous. It's just a conversation and kind of sharing your story and kudos to you for always being open to sharing your story. Cause that's, Oh my goodness. When I tried to share my story for five minutes at Power, I was shaking. I was so nervous. So I, the fact that you were able to do it for 45 minutes just at that one event for a keynote and then do it for an hour, two hours right after is just amazing. So kudos to you and what you do. Oh, thank you. I, I think I find like so much value in sharing my story because I know that it's not just mine. And this is something I Maybe I talked about in the keynote and maybe I just talked about with a friend. I, it's all a blur. Sunday is a blur, um, as I'm sure is for you as well. I, I know that my experiences and the perspective that I bring into every conversation I have, into every keynote I give, into every podcast I record is a collection of all the sisters and all of the people who have been a part of my journey since I joined and how that shaped. And even in high school, like, who I was that was shaped going into sorority. And so this collection of all these different people is who I have become and who I am. And while I'll always be true to Cassie, I feel like I get to share something that they've been a part of too, not just isolated to me because we don't grow in a vacuum. We don't grow without the influence and the support of others. 
And so I think that's what's made me a lot more bold about sharing my story over the past couple of years is knowing that it's not just mine to share. Oh, that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. In preparation for my conversation with Taylor, I was reflecting on this concept of legacy. A common thread between all of my leadership positions that I held in college was this committee that was re-envisioning the future of fraternity and sorority life's residential presence on campus. I remember thinking that it was such a big project, something so far away from me. And as the years went on and as we started getting blueprints together, actually having conversations with chapter leadership, community stakeholders, even city council and upper administration at the university, it became so much more real. All of a sudden, we were breaking ground and deciding which chapters were going to be located at which parts of the community. And it became something that was a lot more within reach. I remember someone saying to me that this was going to be my legacy, being a part of this committee and the future of the residential experience of Greek life, what was going to become the Greek leadership village was going to be my legacy. I think sometimes we don't always realize what our legacy is going to be until years later when we look back and reflect on what it's become. And I don't know about you, if this has been a year that's been a really hard thing for you to see the big picture as you're leading, as you are going through these different trials and obstacles, if it's really hard to see the big picture of what all this effort is going toward, I want to remind you of what motivates you in your chapter. If it's the sisterhood, if it's the relationships, I just want to remind you that you are building for something bigger than yourself in the future. And supporting your chapter through withstanding this super frustrating season is only going to provide an experience better than the one that you had. A lot of people asked me, especially my senior year, if I was disappointed that I wasn't going to actually get to live in the Greek leadership village after spending so much time investing in it. And I told them no, because I'd never imagined myself living there. And I think for a lot of you, it's hard to imagine what this future, what this new opportunity is going to look like for women on the other side of this current troublesome season that we're in, a one that we're having to really focus on inclusion and be creative with that feeling of sisterhood that really connects us. I want to remind you that this bigger picture, this future of your chapter and community that's going to make women feel like they belong is what you're working toward now, even if it doesn't always feel like that every day. I really hope Taylor's story of how she's been able to build on these years and years of conferences to create something that was completely new and had such a unique scope and impact is something that you can actually participate in too, whatever project or initiative that is in your chapter. As always, sister, we are committed to being here with you and supporting you in this super unique season of your sorority journey. Make sure to head to our website to check out our free resources, both related to recruitment, if you have recruitment coming up in the spring, or leadership if you are going through elections right now. If this episode resonated with you in any way, 
if you found yourself nodding along or saying yes in agreement with what was talked about, we would love to hear from you. There are three ways that we would love to know how this how this podcast is impacting you and how we can better support you. The first is by leaving a review. When you go to the Your Sorted Journey podcast on Apple Podcasts and scroll down past all the episodes, please leave us a review so that we can know how this podcast and the content is impacting your sorority journey. We would also love it if you would tell your friends so they can get tuned into these conversations. And finally, shoot us a DM. If you have questions, if you would like to hear something, or if you just want to tell us what you think, feel free to shoot us a DM at Her Sorority Journey so we can know how we can best support you on your sorority journey.